morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a brand new Monday episode here from the Epic Film Guys podcast. I am Nick, not joined by Justin. He said that he sucked the blood from the penis and put the balls in his mouth. So not joined by Justin or, of course, our beautiful God of Podcasting, wherever his socks are today. Instead, I am joined by... Very good friend of the show, long-term friend. He's been on before, and you're going to hear him again next week for the most epic discussion about Battlefield Earth that has ever taken place in the podcasting space or otherwise. I am joined by Brad of the Cinema Guys. Brad, how are you, my friend? I am well. How are you? I'm... So, a little inside baseball. We recorded Battlefield Earth first. Because I didn't want to have to end the night talking about <laughs> Battlefield Earth, so. <sighs> and it's a complete, uh, t- this one is a complete opposite of what. Uh, Whatever rating he would give Kingdom of Heaven, Earth. I guarantee you his Battlefield Earth rating is twice as high. Guaranteed. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. 100%. Don't let him fool you. <laughs> he defended it like vigorously you can kind of hear the anger still quivering in his voice a little bit how upset he was i was trashing yeah, like, travolta oh he's mad but i got the uh the rant sound drop and everything and oh. i just i couldn't handle it i was playing it at brad i was like brad stop talking i can't deal with you and your love of this movie anymore it was just it was almost obscene ladies and gentlemen so stay tuned next monday <laughs> stay tuned next monday for our review i guess our look back at Battlefield Earth, but this is a movie that when you saw it was celebrating its 15th anniversary this year, you jumped at the chance to be on this anniversary episode with me. So why is that? Tell me a little bit about your history with Ridley Scott's Kingdom of Heaven. And we're talking about the director's cut today, ladies and gentlemen, because I was told even years and years ago when I first heard about this movie or whatever, never watch the theatrical cut, which Ridley Scott himself has completely disowned. And I would agree with that. I This is a movie I did see in the theater because I'm a fan of Ridley Scott and, you know, coming off like Gladiator and his other movies, you're like, oh, another big epic of Ridley Scott's in the theater. Like, I'm going to go see this. And after I, I saw the theatrical cut, I thought it wasn't bad. It wasn't like an awful movie of like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. I can't believe he made this. But there were a lot of like, I didn't understand this part of it, particularly Sibylla, the one of the main characters. And you, you just didn't understand some of her actions. But then the end of that year, he released the director's cut of it. And I read that it was. I think it's 45, 50 minutes longer than the theatrical cut. Yeah, somewhere whole... around there, because it's clocks in at just over three hours. Yeah. There's a whole more story put in, and usually when you get a director's cut, it's, oh, here's some a little bit here, a little bit there. But this completely changes the movie. And it, this movie, after watching the director's cut, when I first saw it, it immediately jumped to one of my all-time favorite movies wow it, okay. and i've i've watched it many 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 times since and every time i watch it like i just watched it yesterday again and every time i'm just i just love this movie all right so for the uninitiated as we as we kind of crack into the anniversary of the film here for the uninitiated tell us a little bit about 
or a lot of it, do Loy Sauce's job. Tell us what this movie is all about. <laughs> Loy Sauce, you're not here. You're slacking off. And now we got to have Brad cover for you. You're not my dad. Yeah, I am your daddy. You do what daddy says. So, Well, this is a, a movie that takes place during the Crusades. And it is a character, Balian, who follows his father to Jerusalem. And he ends up um, protecting the king and the people of Jerusalem from a impending war against Saladin and his Muslim army or the uh, uh, complete blank there. Uh, Saracen, I think Saracen yeah, there we go. is what the yeah. is what the words that they were is the word that yes. they were they were they were called. So, but it it it's basically a telling. I mean, it's a loosely based on an actual historical events. I don't. I'm not a historian, and I don't know a lot of the his actual history behind it. But. I did some reading about it. It is pretty loose in terms i mean most yeah. of the characters in the film are based on real people and whatnot and some of the events are at least similar to events that happen in real life but of course a mm -hmm. lot of it is there's a lot of artistic license taken with it but i mean that's fine like i don't ever go to films for history lessons so you yeah. know that's kind of i think what this film needed to do is i think it kind of needed to show the crusades you know, in, in, in a really cinematically kind of enthralling and captivating way. And it needed to at least give you a good enough hook and a good enough central performance to get you through it, to take you through it. And that's, of course, we've got Legolas himself, Orlando Bloom, helming another massive, massive action epic. So, yeah, he came off of, you know, Pirates and then he had Troy and then this. So, I mean, he was... He was literally the epic guy for yeah. about a about a ten year stretch there with pirates and yeah, Lord of the Rings and Troy and all that. And it's he like, and he didn't mm. want to do this movie at first because he was just coming off of Troy and he was like, I don't want to do another one of these type of movies. <laughs> Getting pigeonholed just a little bit here, guys. <laughs> but he read the script and immediately he was like, Well, change my mind and you have ridley scott who wanted you on board you're gonna be like well okay you know ridley scott i might uh let me think about that yeah so and i'm i'm a fan historically i like i don't know a lot of the crusades but a movie like this i'm very interested and have a lot of interest in this type of film like i love you know the the time of the crusades and the, you know, the, the knights and, and all this, like, I just, it fascinates me. So I yeah. think that was another hook that drew me in originally to see this movie. Yeah. And I mean, this, like you talk about, I mean, obviously Orlando Bloom as Balian. Yeah. But then you talk about a stacked cast. So just listen to some oh, of these yeah. names as I toss them out here. Liam Neeson is in this movie. You have uh, Martin Zakis in this movie. Eva Green as Sibylla. Oh my, she is one of the the just the most unbelievably beautiful women in Hollywood. Brandon Gleason, who as soon as he pops up, I'm like Brandon oh. Gleason. Like you can't make and, a historical loved, action epic. Yeah, without loved him. his character. Love him. He's great. Jeremy Irons is in this. Edward Norton is in it, even though you don't know it's him. I didn't know it was him until after the movie. I was like, wait a minute, Edward Norton was in this. <laughs> 
Well, he he didn't want to be billed in the movie. They did not bill him in the movie when it was originally released. Man. It wasn't until um, the DVD release that people knew. Yeah. So I mean, it's just it's it's crazy. David Thewlis in this movie, Michael Sheen. It's just, I mean, the list goes on and on, like even like a lot of just kind of more minor character actors that you would be far more familiar with in, in, in different, uh, in different films. You have, uh, Ghassan Masood, I guess is a, is a fairly prominent actor in, in that region. He's, he's a Salah Adin, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, like just. When when you're when you're a Ridley Scott, I guess, and especially when you're a Ridley Scott and you're making like a kind of massive, huge, like historical epic, I feel like, especially at this point, like this is only a few years removed from Gladiator. This is before he would stain him his name, tarnish his name with you know Prometheus and <laughs> Alien Covenant and whatnot. Like this was still when Ridley Scott was like literally hollywood royalty i mean kind of still is even like he kind of still does whatever he wants and and i mean even and even the martian was still a great great movie which came out after which came out after prometheus so he could still he could still churn out a hit if he really wants to but what a cast man and i'm i'm really bummed that this version the, the director's cut didn't wasn't released when it originally came out because i i think it would have done far better than it has like it's it's critically acclaimed now like the director's cut people it's one of the only versions and it's the version that everyone will talk about like i've mentioned it to many many people of like kingdom of heaven's one of my all-time favorite movies they're like really i remember that movie not being that good and i'm like no watch the director's cut you need to watch that version because otherwise you you only get part of the story (laughs) Yeah, when you talk about, I mean, and we've talked, I, I think, historically, just, you know, either on the air or off about other movies, you know, that we've seen where when you when you cut like 45 minutes out of a movie that's got a runtime. I mean, this movie, again, has a runtime of about three hours and 10 minutes, I think. When yeah. you cut 45 minutes out of that, you're drastically you're removing entire subplots and probably character arcs and things like that from the movie. Yeah, you're the, excising the, uh, huge things. Sibylla's son was completely non-existent in the theatrical cut. Any scene he was in or anything around him was gone. Yeah. Which is which you know just cutting that subplot creates a historical inaccuracy because her son did become king after the death of mm-hmm. the leper king. For I think he was only king for a year. I don't think the her poisoning him thing was necessarily accurate. I don't know if that was accurate or not. But you know he was king. Like her son was king for a year before he died, and then her husband, like she, she took the throne as queen, and then her husband was obviously uh, Guy or Guy as it's you know spelled, but Guy. Yeah. You know, but apparently that was really like that was they took a lot of liberties there as well because she never had an affair. Uh, with Baleen's character, like that was never a thing. She actually like really loved her husband a lot. Like they actually whatever. So you know, and, and when you first see the theatrical cut, like since you have not seen that version, but her character, I mean, towards the end you see her become queen, and then she kind of you know, I don't want to say goes mad, but it kind of goes off the deep end a little bit when she cuts her hair and and just got that look. And when you're watching that, you're just like, 
Wow, that was a quick turn of... None of that would make literally any sense without the subplot of the sun. It did not. Yeah, it it did not at all. It would come so far out of left field, like, wait a minute, why is she, like, cutting her hair and, like... Yeah. Why does she seem like she's, like, sad and in mourning and, like, all this, like... Was it the brother thing? Or are we supposed to believe that... Like, I think we see, like, one scene of them together, like, when he dies. You know, I don't think we ever even see those characters on screen together other than, like, that one scene. So yes, so when when you first you see that you're like okay I didn't I didn't understand that part but I enjoyed this I enjoyed the battles hmm so it was very confusing in a way yeah really just I mean just strange I mean they're just some was, strange was, uh, decisions I watched there's a if you own the Blu-ray or digitally or anything there's documentaries about this. And they're talking to the editor and the screenwriters and stuff, and they they wrote two versions of the of the the screenplay, one with the boy, one without the boy. Hmm. And depending on who it was, that's who got to see that version. Because for a while they were trying to decide which one, and Ridley decided we're just going to film it all, we're just going to do it, and then the studio was like, well, we they wanted it shorter. And you know more marketable. Yeah, as, this three-hour uh, movie isn't marketable. You got to cut yeah forty-five minutes out of it. I don't want to draw like people are going to crucify me if I draw the obvious parallels here to Batman versus Superman. But that that's <laughs> kind of a similar thing that happened to, to that movie as well. Even though it wasn't nearly as well received, even when the director's cut of that movie came out, it was. I mean, it was well far better received, but it wasn't like it, the, the same kind of thing happens there when you take a movie. That's why I hate like. You know, that's always going to be one of those things between like a real auteur, a real filmmaker, where you have a a studio that wants a film under a certain runtime. And then the director's like, no, stop messing up my movie. And then you end up getting those kind of bastardized theatrical versions where things are removed wholesale that make movies make less sense. And then because they feel muddled audiences don't know how to react to them and this did have a relatively mixed reaction it's my understanding when it got released it was only when like you said the director's cut came out everybody was like why didn't we see this movie the first time yeah like exactly. where was this movie this makes so much more sense now you know exactly and it it is one of those that i think crit- critics even you know they see this director's cut and they're that same thing and they're like oh my gosh this is this is a good movie now <laughs> like yeah. Not that it was terrible. It, it's no Battlefield Earth, but it's, <sighs> I mean, it's still like that. The battle for Jerusalem at the very end, I think, is an amazing battle. I mean, it, it it's on par with, you know, any of your anyone's Lord of the Rings or anything like that. Like, I, I just I just love it. Yeah, which is like, I mean, it. it Especially the Battle of Jerusalem. I mean, we could talk a little bit about it. We could probably talk a little bit more about it later as well. But I mean, this is after Return of the King comes out. Like, I mean, now, granted, the production for Return of the King would have been years beforehand because they shot all those movies at once, like from what, 1999 to 2001. So, I mean, but but granted, I mean, it's historically accurate ish like in terms of a lot of the dress and in terms of a lot of the tactics and in terms of like the ballista towers like all those kinds of things but man alive ridley scott you could have found better ways to shoot it like there's almost like like the shot of balian inside the castle walls like rallying the troops is like oh 
It almost feels exactly like the scene in Return of the King when Gandalf is doing that. Or like you've got the towers with the infantry. And I mean, granted, I mean, that's that is Tolkien writing, you know, when when he's taking that and obviously Jackson visualizing that probably thinking of like this time period as well, like kind of adapting those different things and putting them on screen. It's historically accurate, but I mean, and I'm not going to criticize the movie for it, but it does feel familiar. And I feel like yeah. maybe there could have been a different way to shoot. Cause you can't really, I mean, how do you really, although I did like when they shoot it with like the ballistas and then they pull the towers over and like set them on fire. Like that stuff was, that stuff was really cool. Like I really, really, but it just feels familiar. I mean, I guess when you've seen so many of these like big ancient ish battle epics where it's all swords and shields and oil and arrows and siege towers and those kind of things. I mean, I guess they kind of all blend together in that regard it it does get a little little tough because that yeah they do tend to okay i've seen this battle before what's what's different but for the time period i mean that's the the style take away from how good the battle is though Mm -hmm. especially like i think the best part about it is the 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 first night of it which they i mean it it was like it was like like a three-day battle or whatever the case was and like that opening night when all of a sudden they're just like hurling like the flaming rocks or whatever they are. Yeah. Like just that shot. I mean, we talked about it when we talked about the gladiator retrospective, just like that amazing opening shot of the battlefield with the entire volley of the Roman army going at the Germain, the, the Germans and stuff. This is kind of the same thing. Like you can't see a Salah Adin's army out there. You can't see the Muslim mm-hmm. army, but like you just see that volley of fire at night. Like, dude, that is such breathtaking movie making that like it it transcends even words. Like, I can't even say anything else about it. Like, it's so so unbelievably beautiful. And and it's one of those things when you see that you're like, oh, oh shit, it's starting here. Business here it comes. is about to pick up. <laughs> It's like it's like Stone Cold's music just hit and he's running out <laughs> running down the entrance yes. ramp, you know. <laughs> Somebody's about to get Stone Cold stunned. But I guess we get we kind of jump towards the end a little t- little quick before uh <laughs> Which which version did you watch the Roadshow version or the just the director's cut when you watched it? I it was just I mean, the, the Roadshow version just has a uh, the overture and an intermission in it. Yeah, it's just the director's cut. Yeah, okay. I, I didn't. I didn't get the, I didn't get the uh, the overture or anything like that. Although that would have been great. Damn it! <laughs> huh. <laughs> but like you said, the I mean the the cast in this movie is is stacked. I mean, you start off with, you know, Balian, who you actually no, the movie starts off with Martin Sheen, the first person that comes in here. Like, oh, yeah. he's he's in this movie. I mean, this was before I think. It's one of those movies where know. even though you don't recognize, like, even if you don't know their names, like, I read it off a bunch of those names uh, mm-hmm. earlier. I didn't mention one either that I had to mention was uh, Alexander Siddig, who was Dr. Bashir in Deep Space Nine, man. Like, you know, like, I, there's, there's so many actors that you recognize and you're like, oh, I've seen them oh, in yeah. a ton of stuff, but you can't necessarily name all of them. You know, that's the kind I of mean, movie just it like, is. There's, a, you know, like, a, the actor who plays Jamie Lannister, he's in it. And uh, there's a few other Game of Thrones actors that people would be like, oh, I know who that is. Yeah. 
It's just one of those things, and, and and I think that that's I think that that's really great. So here's 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 one criticism I'm going to level at this movie. I don't know how you necessarily okay. feel about it, and this may this may I, I'm willing to I'm willing to give that this might just be an issue with the transfer, like the Blu-ray transfer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Why is the slow mo in this movie look so bad? It looks really framey. It looks like it's like almost like the frame is stuttering, like the frame rate's not right. You know, and, and like I said, that might have been a transfer issue. I don't necessarily know. That I could think have been I know my what you're talking about. There, but there are a couple scenes where you kind of notice it's it, super janky. It looks off. Yeah. yeah, like it's it's almost like the frame is like stuttering because the slow mo is slow, but not slow enough. Maybe like it's like they chose like a a weird speed to slow it down to. I I feel like it's overused in the movie at least this like a tiny sliver like they could have done with a few less dramatic sh- i mean this was the, again this was a, an early 2000s like epic movie though like this is just what mm-hmm. they did like gladiator did the same thing like those slow-mo shots of like yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff but you know still like i just i don't know that might not have been an intention that might have been like a blu-ray thing like maybe the blu-ray transfer on this just wasn't up to snuff which i find hard to believe from ridley scott but still I don't necessarily know, but yeah, the slow-mo in this movie, it just, I don't even mind that they had the slow-mo in it, but it was just not good slow-mo. Like, it just looked visually bad. I don't know. I do I do know where, where you're talking about. There are a few parts where I, I know it's just what weird you mean. And I, I wonder if that's a transfer issue with the actual Blu-ray. Like, maybe Scott just didn't, maybe Scott didn't give it his all because he was pissed off at the studio because they made him cut the movie down by 45 <laughs> minutes. So he's like, all right, here's this director, Scott, but I'm not fucking off with the DVD or Blu-ray or whatever. I don't care. <laughs> maybe, maybe something like, I don't know. I really, but still, like, that notwithstanding, like, I never even, I mean, I've been given, like, my little bits and pieces, like, my little bits and bobs and whatever about the movie, but, like, I didn't really give you my overall, but I I did love it. I really, really, really did love the absolute shit about this movie. And you know why? Because you don't, I mean, obviously, you're following Orlando Bloom's character through yes. the entire movie. Obviously, Balian is your main character, but aside from Guy, who is more of a rival than I would say a straight-out villain. I mean, the closest thing you get to a, mm-hmm. a scenery-chewing villain in the movie is Brendan Gleeson as Reynald. But, like, what I was afraid of and what I'd always... Like, I knew this movie was about the Crusades, and I probably avoided it for this reason, because I did, especially coming out at the time that this came out, like, post-9-11, like, you'd almost think, like... Is this going to be like a like a the Christians are the good guys, Muslims are the bad guys yes. kind of thing? I was kind of worried about that, and I'm I was really really delighted that both sides I think were handled very respectfully, and there's the film a, a, approaches it more from almost the point of view of kind of the exhaustiveness of this endless religious war, like the, like, you know, and, and the, the, the kind of thing that continues today, like there's that little epitaph at the end of it where it's like, you know, peace in the Holy land is still, you know, elusive to this day, you mm-hmm. know, where like, I really, I really, really, really appreciated that perspective and that point of view that they shot the film from. This could have been, this would have been a very easy film in a different filmmaker's hands to just make the Muslims, the bad guys and the Christians, the good guys. I love oh, it absolutely that you respect the hell out of both sides. 
amazing performances from all the actors on both sides. And like you, you are just kind of a fly on the wall, sort of witnessing this thing. You're not really, at least me watching it as a, as a, as a viewer, I'm not picking one side over the other because I, I don't want them to fight. Like that's kind of what I'm taking away from it is like, I don't want them to fight. Like I respect both sides and I'm like, this is needless. And like, you're just following the heat of a few bloodthirsty people. But I mean, again, isn't that what all war is like Mm -hmm. people, good people are led into war by madmen. And then, you know, it's the good people that end up dying, you know, kind of thing. And, and they, they did a good job with religion and then each side kind of had that one person who was, you know, like the uh, more of a zealot kind of. Yeah, uh, of like the the priest in the the Christian side who is like, you know, it's it's God's will. We need to do this. Yeah, and, yeah. and getting his the Templars like riled up, and and then the other side where they. You know, Saladin had the the one guy who he had to kind of like put in his place a few times of like no, mm-hmm. but they they did a, a really good job of not saying well Christians better than Muslim or you know vice versa. Like I can't believe Christians would do this to the Muslim. Like I feel like, and especially maybe this is just me coming off of watching a movie which you guys heard the review of uh, just on Thursday last week, but of King Solomon's Minds, which is the most bafflingly culturally insensitive <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Like, it's mystifying how, like, ignorant and racist it is because it's so ignorant. It's so ridiculously culturally insensitive. So maybe I was just ready for this movie because I feel like it's very respectful. It's very culturally sensitive. It's not. It, all it is is it's just it's depicting both sides as good people good people who don't want to go to war who are dragged into war by people who are warmongers you know people who rile up the rile up the masses or whatever by something that happened a hundred years prior to them yeah like i I love the scene where he goes up to saladin and he goes i am not those men yeah and it's 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 amazing and you know it's like it's almost like it's it's almost kind of a study on the futility of war, especially war fueled by religious zealotry, you know, because yes. there's that one moment in the film where the bishop, you know, when when it's pretty clear that Saladin's forces are going to are going to take the city or whatever. And he's like, oh, we all have to convert to 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 Islam yeah. And, yeah, and, and, and whatever. And, and, and Balian just kind of turns to him. He's like, he's like, you know. I see what your religion is now or, or whatever. Like, it's like, you're not really religious. You're just an opportunist. You know, you like you, you, you're only as loyal to your faith as you know, you're, you're immediately willing to jump ship to whatever else you think is, is valid out there. Like whatever, you know, like it's kind Especially of one of the, one of the things I wrote down, he, he tells him, you've taught me a lot about religion. That, yeah. That's the line. That's the line. That. Yeah. That's the line right there. Yeah. Like, yeah, and that's like, you know, people that's how flippant people are about it. Like they only mm-hmm. utilize it until it no longer serves their purposes, you know? And he's like the whole reason he wants to go to the Holy Land in the first place is because his wife commits suicide and he wants to do whatever he can to both absolve himself and his wife of their sin so they can go to heaven because they don't he doesn't want to be condemned. Mhm. And it is that re- I mean, a religious struggle with him and uh, even Ridley Scott has come out and said, and uh, who is the writer? Um, 
Uh, William Monahan. Yes, saying that uh, David Thewlis's character he he never has a name. That he's kind of like a an angel type of character in the in the film of because you know he just kind of he does the, the director's on cut. Yeah, the the director's cut it really shows it more because the burning bush scene where he just disappears, or the the scene where the assassins yeah um kill him and he kind of just kind of shows up and then goes away. They they say they those two scenes were not in the theatrical cut. Yeah, yeah. So you didn't see. I think it makes it in the director's cut, like because when I'm watching it, like it's not really apparent until about two thirds of the way through the movie. Mm-hmm. That like it's like you have the scene with the burning bush and then you have the very obvious scene where he literally does the Jedi laying on of hands and, yeah. you know, brings him back to life or at least gives him a little bit of vitality so he can save himself or or whatever. So it's it's very, very clear that he's meant to either be God or be some kind of vessel for a guy like an angel. An angel makes sense mm. or whatever. Like, I really love that. And then it, it makes even more sense, like if you kind of look at it thematically, because after the one battle where all of the Templars are slaughtered. You see him dead among all of the Templars and stuff, and it's like now God is dead, basically. Like if you look at it from like a, a broad thematic brush, now God mm-hmm. is dead, and now that's why this this you know senseless war is going to rage on until we kind of you know find a reason to stop it. And I love the I love that it you know wh- whatever you want to say about how historically accurate or whatever or not it is. Like I love that the battle stops. He surrenders when he is able to bargain and save everybody. Like that's all yeah, that's he, important he surrenders to him. And they and, have that conversation. You know, everybody's go ahead. Go ahead. Everybody is uh, questioning him. And then I, I wrote down the line. They said, if God doesn't love you, how could he have done all these things that he, that he's, that you've done? Like yeah. talking when they're talking to Balian and the writing, the writing in this movie is I think it's phenomenal. I think the writing in this movie, it's very, and I'm not a religious guy, but it's a very, uh, very respectful of different religions, but it very, Mm -hmm. I think what it's attacking most of all is religious zealotry, like religious hatred of another group for no reason. Like they have when, when uh, Balian goes out to meet Saladin and they're talking, like they have that conversation and Saladin's like, you know, I wonder if we wouldn't be better off if the city was rubble and all of our holy places were gone and we didn't have our holy places to fight about. You know, I wonder if we wouldn't all be better off. And then I when, he, when he says to him, what is, what is Jerusalem to you? And he's like, it is nothing. And then he just stops and, and turns back. It everything. is everything. Yeah. I, there's, this is, and like I said, I am not a religious guy, but it, it's one of those movies that really makes you, it really challenges you about faith. Because even if you're not a person of faith yourself, it at least gives you a window into understanding most people of faith. Like why most people, like, because most people of faith, not of faith are just, they're just good people, you know? And it's because you have these hardcore zealots that want to manipulate people. That's Mm -hmm. where you end up getting like these endless, like, like think of the crusades. The crusades were just this endless series of holy wars of just fighting for basically no reason in the end, just because you're different from somebody else, you know? And, and the big thing is like, you know, Balian's struggling with that religion the yeah. whole movie because he lost a child, his wife committed suicide, and he's going to Jerus- Jerusalem to, at first, you know, save her, save her in, in yeah. you know, because she's everybody's Find some she's kind of hell. absolution and, you know, 
and, and then yeah. when that first scene when he meets um king baldwin mm-hmm. when they're playing chess and he's talking to him and then when he tells him was it him or was it the uh uh david thewlis where he's like it's here like it's here and in here talking about basically religion and yeah like basically just being a good person be a good yeah. person and don't like that's you know, protect the, the people the, the script for this movie i mean my all all of my all of my hats are off to to willem yeah to willem jesus christ but Morat, <laughs> willem you dumb bastard willem. it's not a schooner it's a sailboat <sighs> my god i mean he would eat Brad, I'm Justin, and I'm the Cinema Maiden. We are the Cinema Guys. We do a movie podcast. We're just three friends who love to talk about movies, and probably the best podcast you've ever heard about movies ever. Or is it the best podcast you've never heard yet? Ooh, but what if they have heard and they forgot that they heard and they have heard it before? Then they should listen again. Yes. Oh dear God. Real quick top favorite episode you've ever had of the cinema guys go aquaman we make fun of brad the whole time <laughs> oh aquaman was a good one every other week we have a full episode where we give our top lists about usually a new movie usually usually a new Not movie always. you know we always give at home recommendations at the very end but my favorite is our fun list. little banter in i between. think the lists are the best thing that we do yeah. our lists are fun i love to make lists about movies just head over to we are the and you can subscribe contact listen to the show all of that As I always like to say, maybe sometime we will see you at the movies. I'm Nick. I'm Justin. And I'm Brian. We are the Epic Film Guys. We want to let you know that the fourth annual live stream for The Cure is only a couple weeks away. Every single dollar raised goes to the Cancer Research Institute to help us fight for a future immune to cancer. And once again, donations will be doubled. Join us May 27th through the 31st for 48 hours of content from creators around the world. Please help us spread the word so we can smash our goal of $10,000. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com to make an early donation and to learn more about the event. Together, we can make a difference. William Monaghan did also write, you know, movies like The Departed, Edge of Darkness, you know. I mean, so he's obviously got some pedigree to him and just I, I love like i said i i love that that's what it's a condemnation of is religious zealotry is of of that extremism yes. on any side and I, like i said i also like that it shows a little bit of that zealotry on both sides you don't just get like muslim fundamentalists or christian fundamentalists or jewish fundamentalists whatever you get to see those different perspectives but for the most part, everybody is just the good, respectful, just great people, great characters. It's a great, it's the kind of movie you need to give you back a little bit of faith and hope for humanity after you watch something like Battlefield Earth, <laughs> <laughs> which will remove all faith you could ever possibly have in mankind. <laughs> here's here's the, the line I was thinking of. It is David Thulis when he's talking to him and he said what God desires is here and here pointing to his head and his heart yeah and then what you decide to do every day you will be a good man and then he pauses and says or not yeah 
It's and, and what I love about Balian is he everything that he goes through and everything that happens, he he gets offered many many times to you know not be a good man, and he's he's like no. But it's even I mean it's it's one of those kind of almost a tragic thing in the film because he all he like I think it's Sibylla's character that says to him like you know, you could have done this one bad thing to do so many good mm-hmm. things. Like if they would have yeah. had Guy executed and like he would have taken control because King the King wanted him to take control of the army and stuff, and he wouldn't do it because it would have meant executing Guy and a bunch of the Templars. You know, and like yes. all they wanted him to do was make but that's he is kind of that most noble sense in terms of knighthood where he will not corrupt himself. He will do no harm. He will harm no one like that knight's oath that his father gives him. And then, you know, that he gives to all the soldiers later during the battle, like, you know, to to not do any harm. I forget what the exact oath is. We could probably find it if we wanted to read it out. But, you know, it's, oh, and then, then he slaps him. And, and, and so here's, you, you know, it. this is to make you remember it. Yeah. With, you know, that's like, that's great. And I love, I love, love, love that they present him with those opportunities. They tempt him. You know, and that's a, a big thing in religion is is temptation to sin, temptation mm-hmm. to do bad things. And, you know, yeah, Guy is not a good character. Like, you don't like Guy. Like, he's kind of a giant dick. You know, you're and, not and a fan of him, but you Guy's respect that him. opposite when he, uh, when he, you know, goes to war and they all yell out, God wills it, God wills it. Yeah. And, like... And it's ridiculous. And, and, you know, he ends up getting the Templars and everything slaughtered. That actually did happen, by the way. Not 100% accurate to how they got to that point, but that slaughter really, really did happen. That was that was an actual real thing that happened. But, you know, Reynald, you hate you hate his character, but you respect you respect Balian because he will not corrupt himself, even though he knows mm-hmm. it means eventually war. Eventually war is going to happen, but he does not want the blood on his hands of because he's already committed murder. He kills the priest at the beginning of the movie. He doesn't yeah. want more blood on his hands. He wants absolution for himself and his wife. I mean, again, this is this whole character motivation where he wants to be saved. He doesn't want these executions on his head and on his hands. Well, I I do love that beginning when he when Liam Neeson comes through mm-hmm. and 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 tells him basically who he is and what he did with you know his mother yeah and even though he like you can hate me or or not just say take what you want from me now before I leave yeah and he leaves but then follows him and he he says I have murdered and then. I don't remember the comment where he says, um, will you be able to kind of like a repent type of thing in Jerusalem? And, and Liam Neeson says, let's find out together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause I think when he says that to him, he's like, I've, I've done murder. And then Liam Neeson's yep. so have I, you know, and, the, and, the, and I think they're both looking for a little bit of that absolution and everything, which is the, the weird thing about this movie is like, I didn't expect, it's kind of one of those movies where you see a stacked cast like this. So you expect a lot of them mm-hmm. to stick around, but then like literally a lot of these characters get mowed early, like early, early. You're like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Like <laughs> you that, know? that first uh, camp out when, you know, they're just hanging out as they're doing like the sword training and catches and, up to them. Yeah. It's crazy. Like that, 
you you figure like that big like that kind of german guy mm-hmm. you're like okay this big guy is probably gonna like teach him something and then yeah it's it, nope. it, it was like a that, that was that caught me really off guard and it kind of what it led me to do in this film is kind of expect the unexpected in, in a lot of ways mm-hmm. uh, but you know I, like i said i i do i i loved all of that like i really really loved all of that you know what the only thing i really wish this film hadn't done because we talked about how he's given opportunities to sin and he's given opportunities mm-hmm. to be an immoral man or to make the wrong choice and he makes the right choice even if you know it's going to end up like he still has the affair with the queen and i know that's not historically accurate either that never happened but like he i mean if it comes to if it comes to killing people or or comes to you know whatever can't do that but i mean if eva green wants to get down you still get down i mean i guess is ultimately what we're saying there i I mean if Eva Green wants to get down, I I think I'll, I'd probably say yes too. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe that's the point that they were trying to go for in the. I don't know necessarily a hundred percent, but you know, I mean, it just kind of is what it is. Some things you just have to be like, oh, okay, oh okay, fine. But yeah, I wish like Gladiator had that where obviously there had been some kind of history between Connie Nielsen's character and maximus at some point you know but that was long gone and like the film doesn't really flirt with the idea of even putting them back in a romantic situation like they obviously just have a lot of love for each other and whatever i kind of wish this film had skirted more that gladiator line where that kind of respect was there and maybe it was even like a little bit of an unrequited love kind of thing or maybe like she loved him because he was a moral man or whatever but for that reason they couldn't be like if it had just skirted kind of around that but i feel like maybe checking the boxes of the big budget Hollywood epic blockbuster. It's got to have some yeah. kind of romance in it. You know, they they wanted to make it more, you know, a romantic, uh, you know, the sword and sandals, epic battles with the romance. Yeah. The romance in this film really doesn't do a whole lot of anything for me because it's kind of scuttled off to the side and like, you don't really think about it anymore. Like, I mean, after it happens so it's just kind of this big thing where he goes back to you know become the lord and you know the baron i guess he he goes to become the beer baron <laughs> and you know <laughs> you're baron of Ebelin. there you go so he, he and then you know the, the queen shows up or at that time she's the princess or whatever and you know she shows up there and like you know all of a sudden they're just he, they're irrigating they're irrigating and growing crops and they are just boinking like it's this whole <laughs> subsection of the movie where i'm like did we really need all this like you know they had to try to set up the yeah when she offered him after the king died yeah and then he turns it down and she yeah yeah i don't know i do like how he comes back to her though at the at the end and said come find me when you're not a queen yeah which was nice and i really like that she relinquishes that and and, you know they kind of go back to france together and just do they thing you know like (laughs) whatever and like i love i also love 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 the way that this film ends too because you know he's then approached by the king of england you know and the king like now you know jerusalem has been retaken by the muslim army so we now immediately have to form this big Christian army to go down there and stop them. It's just like the, mm-hmm. the crusades were big like that, where it was just this big cyclical thing where 
people just wanted to just keep throwing bodies at it. Just keep throwing bodies in over and over, just battle after battle, just keep siege after siege after siege of of fighting for and this. It, and it was, like you said before, the zealots. And yeah. that, that's exactly why. It was like, we have to take Jerusalem back for the Christianity because, you know, the Muslims took it back now. Now it's yeah. our turn to try to take it back. And like, it's, 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 it's just, it's, it's craziness. And that's why. And when King Baldwin was in control, he's like, the city's for everyone. Yeah. It's, which I loved. And, you know, and you really, really love and respect that idea about it. But you, you can feel that tension in the film when Guy is whipping the Templars up into a frenzy and everything. And then, you know, they're making their skirmishes and everything. Like, how great is the scene when, you know, they find out that it was. Brendan Gleeson's character, all these character names, I can't remember them for the life of me because they're all so complicated. <laughs> but Reynald, yeah, Ray- his character, Reynald. you know, his character, you know, they like they they find out and, you know, King Baldwin actually goes to his castle and like is slapping the shit out of him yep. and everything like that's such a great, great, great scene. And it kind of like really, I mean, even though the king is in a mask and obviously very frail and feeble really shows how powerful he still was, like uh, yeah. how much power he wielded which say what you will about the monarchy as a system of government you know we're not going to well, really even get into even that when debate, they but... meet on the on the battlefield where you know king baldwin and saladin where they come up to each other and just have that little interaction yeah, two characters uh, two people who obviously have an immense amount of respect for each other yes which is conveyed so so well like both just great performances in that moment like sharp 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 i don't even really know what else to say about this movie to be 100 percent honest i know you've probably got other stuff to get in there but i loved it it was great and it's so sharply written and even if you're not somebody this would be my plea to anybody out there who hasn't seen it or put it off like i did it's 15 years old it's celebrating 15 years this month see the director's cut of the movie even if you're not a person of faith because it will at least give you enough like the only you know who's going to hate the movie you know who the only person that would hate the movie would be religious zealots religious zealots who would watch and be like those fucking christians those fucking muslims or those fucking whatever like those are the people that would hate this movie everybody else is going to get a great 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 film out of this that's really respectful of all sides included and oh and every part every person in this movie acts the shit out of it masterfully like, it, acted masterfully directed amazing. this film is the the like the sweeping shots of the desert they shot this i believe in morocco unbelievably beautiful it looks so gorgeous just how breathtakingly shot is this movie just and gorgeous and then the battle like the the battle the amount of extras like all of the extras and all of the costume yeah. work like all of like the amount of coordination it must take to shoot these massive action epic set pieces. I mean, that's why like when you hear the stories about Helm's Deep, they shot Helm's Deep in what four months that battle took to shoot at night in the rain. Like, oh my god! Like, just it's breathtaking when you see it on screen, though. When it's obviously again, we talked about it when we talked about Gladiator Two, but when you have a Ridley Scott who has this level of attention to detail, who wants to craft every frame of this film so beautifully so lovingly oh watching the documentaries of him the behind the scenes of of how he planned and worked on this film was just amazing yeah like they had one of them 
during the final battle, one of the, the big turrets, um, after the, the scene when they first go in, you know, where they throw the fire on them. Yeah. After filming, they, they, you know, put everything out and there was a smolder still in there that they missed. And that night, the whole thing went up in flames. Oh my God. And burned. But it was, he looked at it and go, this is perfect. So he, he used it because, you know, in the scene before. Because why not? They set it on fire. Yeah. So. <laughs> he's like, yeah, you know what? My brain's working. We'll make this work. This is, this is, this is perfect. We'll just do this. And like, just, uh, yeah, I can see why. Like, the, I, I will say, I, I, I think there's probably a happy marriage that airs more on the side of the director's cut in terms of length. I figure you could probably make this a tight 250, 255. There is a little bit of fat to be did. trimmed. Most of it, and I'm sorry, Eva Green, I love her performance in the movie. I think she's great, but I don't think the love story really does anything for me. It's fair. I think you could probably excise that because it takes a while for him to even get to Jerusalem and for the plot of the movie to really even kick off, which is fine because you're invested in Balian's character and you're kind of invested. You go along with him on this journey, but then it immediately, like when he becomes the beer baron and goes to his homestead there and she shows up the movie just stops cold for like 25 minutes while they're boinking and he's just digging irrigation ditches it's like okay this is great fine but movie's got a movie at some point so like i feel like you could probably shave off or at least rewrite the way that green's character is utilized in the film like you could have utilized her better i feel and you know she was either that. that romantic but you have to give Interest. Balian's character of, you know, a jock to hate on, you know, the, the <laughs> his his romantic rival and and whatnot, which what was that? Yeah. There was that weird scene where Guy goes to that one woman, like that random woman. He's like, oh, he's yeah, like, yeah. you've often wished you were my wife. Now let's pretend you are. And she like just hikes up her dress and is like, come get my vagina, bro. Like, And originally they wanted Edward Norton to play Guy. And he read the script and said, no, I want to be the King Baldwin and I don't want, I don't want my name in the credits. Like you don't have to, don't He's good me. as Baldwin though. He's really, really oh, good. He's awesome. And I he didn't even know it was the... him. Like, you, I mean, now that I think about it, like when I listened back to like a scene, like after I knew it was him, I was like, no shit. That's yeah. how good he was in that though. Cause you know, Norton has that ability to kind of disappear if he wants. I mean, he had a mask on, so he had help, but still. And I, I think he had some of the best lines too. Oh, so his scenes, the chess scene and the scene um, with Saladin, I think were just phenomenal, just, uh, amazing, just absolutely amazing, top to, top to bottom. Every this is it's a, it's a really interesting thing that I watched this in Battlefield Earth in the same day because it's really <laughs> a comparison of a film that was produced so so well in every single aspect you have masters at their craft in every single level of the production of this film making just an uh, the the saddest thing about it is that it just got butchered by the studio the studio is like go to the editing room and make this thing 45 minutes shorter ridley and he's like i mean ultimately if you want to make movies in hollywood you got to play ball with producers you got to play ball with the studio and then you know he puts out his version of the movie later, disowns the theatrical version, and is like, no, guys, this is the real deal. And everybody watches it and is like, that's, and that the problem is, is all that does is give Ridley Scott even more credibility because then he's like, see, I told you motherfuckers I was right, you know? <laughs> 
But then that's I when feel like he's he's done that a few times. I he mean, gets he, to he the point Blade where Runner. he makes movies like Prometheus and stuff, and it's just like. Uh, is there a director's cut of that that would make it better? I mean, <laughs> maybe. Well, then he came out with you know when Exodus, uh, Kings and Gods came out. I was I was excited to see that because it's like I never Ridley saw Scott that one. doing another big epic, and it's not as as solid no yeah, no I, n- I never i never watched that one because I, I mostly that's one of those things where i mean you think about this movie like they're they cast like muslim actors like they cast actors yeah. from the middle east to play the muslim like it makes sense like but why in in, in exodus he, exodus yeah, it's he all not. like all the egyptians are all white dudes it's like what it's like and yeah. that one just like this he said his preferred version there's a 4 hour version of Exodus but Good. the studio god never release that one. Oh, man he's like it worked for uh kingdom of heaven can't get the studio to pony up the money on that one i, I yeah I, no, no you know but like i said it's a, <laughs> it's a fascinating comparison because you take a movie like this where it's so well executed at every level of production compared to a movie like battlefield earth where it's so poorly executed at every level of production <laughs> it was the weirdest yin yang movie kind of day for me watching stuff today you got some little sneak previews of our review of battlefield earth which again brad will be here and we'll be talking about that next week but brad i want some closing thoughts on this film from you because i obviously yes. loved it but i know this is one of your favorites of all time so just anything else you want to wrap up on this movie i i for one i just want to tell anyone if you've seen the theatrical and you're like you know i, I saw it and eh, like seriously give this version a watch because it is it makes the movie 100 percent different movie and and that much better like yeah it's it's in my top five movies of all time just because it is so good this is a movie that i i pull out and watch every you know few years or so i couldn't even imagine this movie being like since i have no frame of reference for it i've never seen the theatrical i can't imagine this movie being 45 minutes shorter i can't even imagine it like i said five to ten minutes that you could maybe have trimmed up a couple of things fine 45 no no. Yeah, and usually, usually when they release a director's cut, it's like, oh, we're just going to throw all the deleted scenes in of like the scenes longer here or there or mm. different lines. But this is a whole man subplot. I can't even imagine. Film. And like I told you before, we we got on like this. I've I've purchased this movie three times now. I bought it when it came out on DVD, Blu-ray, and now I own it digitally. So it's it's just it's a movie I will. I will, uh, you know, I stand behind and I will tell anybody, see this film. I, in my opinion, it's Ridley Scott's best movie. Wow. Wow. I know how much you love Gladiator. I mean, Gladiator's good, but I, I like this one better. I mean, well, and a lot of people, you know, I mean, the, the horror, the horror aficionados among us would definitely go back to Alien or whatnot. Alien, yeah. I mean, he... I mean, you look at his catalog. He's got some great films. He's got so. some great, great films. And like I said, I love The Martian, too. I, I really, really thought The Martian was a really, really great film. And that's, you know, more modern Ridley Scott. This is, again, 15 years old. Uh, Kingdom of Heaven is. So, you know, this is up there for me. I, Gladiator's too hard to dethrone for me. It is amongst the, the, <laughs> the top echelon for me of all time. It's just legitimately. There is a movie. There is a director's cut or an extended cut. Don't watch the extended cut of Gladiator. It doesn't add anything that you need anything. to know about that movie. 
Like this is, you know, from what Brad is saying, this is a, a completely different. And I've heard that every time I've ever talked about this movie or every time anybody's ever told me to watch it, everybody has said, watch the director's cut. Do not watch the theatrical version. Everybody has always told me that. Yeah. So. And it it is one of those, like you, it gets to a point you hear director's cut because there it's a dime a dozen like oh here's a director's cut yeah. you're like yeah 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 okay yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i just man what a treat like this one this one was a real real treat so i'm really really grateful again celebrating the anniversary i'm glad that you jumped on this i was glad to have you here to talk about it uh, wasn't just, overly saturated it was well filmed well acted god in heaven i won one <laughs> just you guys wait for next week man it's i I, 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 we talked for a while, like we, we recorded a, a decent length episode about Battlefield Earth, and I still don't even know what we said about it. I can't even think of what we said about it. I can't, because <laughs> I'm still speechless in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Brad, you host two podcasts. You host, of course, The Cinema Guys with your very own Justin. He also My has a Justin. Justin. I don't think that his Justin is this guy, though. He said that he sucked the blood from no, the penis and put the guy. balls in his mouth. I mean, they could be the same guy. I I, I don't know. Probably does put the balls in his mouth as well. <laughs> also, the Cinemaiden. And, yes. you know, you do that show. And you also do a show called I'll Get a Burger with your wife, Kara. You guys have been smashing it, even on quarantine, trying really hard, still doing your 5Ks, still taking good care of yourselves. Uh you guys talk about your weight loss journey and your journey with whole 30 was kind of the initial kickoff of it. And you know, now how you're trying yes. to adapt to being trapped in the house with the kids all the time, <laughs> in quarantine and trying to make good eating decisions when you've got kids who are like fighting against you all the time. <laughs> that is definitely the big struggle for Ooh, sure. <laughs> can't even imagine, but uh, you know, tell, tell our audience if they're not already familiar. And if you're not familiar with Brad or his amazing shows, get on board, check them out because he's an amazing guy and he does amazing work. Tell us where they can find you. Well, the, the Cinema Guys, you can find any of your podcatchers, or you can find us at wearethecinemaguys.com. And I'll get a burger. We don't have a website for that, but any podcatcher again. And we're we active on Instagram and Twitter with that one at I'll get a burger. Yep, please have, check them I, out. And I, I will say the journey kind of started with you. And your EFG fitness challenge. And then I was. Which the sad thing is I wife. still have stickers to send out for that. Like I got stickers <laughs> to send everybody that participated and then COVID happened. And it's like, yeah. I know how people are about things. So I'm not going to just, you know, stuff a bunch of envelopes and be licking it. And here you go. Here's, here's some, here's some fitness challenge. I still have stickers. Here's, for a, here's an envelope out. full of Rona for you. Yep. Cause I would make sure I was. <laughs> coughing butt good before i licked all those envelopes let me tell you but, but no it, it's that one i've i've had a blast with and you were on one of our episodes and it was we had a great talk and it's it's been a great it's a great journey we're having fun with it that's good it's always good to, it's always good to listen to it it's, it's good to hear you guys and your continued enthusiasm even when you have setbacks you stay in the right mindset you stay forward focused you know that you can't beat yourselves up you got to keep moving forward yeah. which is the most important and, thing and we do it as, uh, you know, more than an eating health journey. It's an all-around health, like yeah. mental health and your everything. So. Well, because one thing feeds another, and that's the yep, and exactly. that's the perfect thing about it. So yep. check out Brad and, and his amazing shows. Links for those will be down in the show notes. Brad and the Cinema Guys will also be live during live stream for The Cure, May 30th, 11 p.m., closing out closing Saturday out. night. 
ladies and gentlemen. Closing out the so last if we go over day. our hour by a few minutes, we're good. Yeah. I, I gave him, I was like, <laughs> you can go like an hour in a minute, like an hour and two minutes, maybe. Everybody else has got like a hard cutoff. It's like, they swear to God, if you go over like 50 minutes, but <laughs> you're out. Yeah. It's, it's, it's no, we're, amazing. We're excited to be back. Excited we're to be back thrilled. for that. We, we had a thrilled. blast last year. It was so much fun. And ra- helping raise money for this awesome cause. You guys do an awesome thing. May twenty seventh through the thirty first, ladies and gentlemen, forty eight hours of live content. And do not forget the four hour kickoff event, which is kind of I've been referring to it as like a kickoff event or like a soft opening. Like we will be taking donations. We will be live on the air. We'll be playing a bunch of movie related games and whatnot. It's going to be a lot of fun. But the official event doesn't start until the next day, just because that's kind of my. Is everything in place or are there any final last minute adjustments I need to make kind of thing? Whatever. It's going to be great. It's going to be an amazing time. Brad's going to be with us. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And we can't wait. It's going to be an absolutely amazing event. So, Brad, thank you very, very much for being here. Thank you. Thank Less you again so for to be me. here for Battlefield Earth. I'm, uh, I'm glad I got to be here for a, a really good movie this time. <laughs> Man. Yeah, at least we, we didn't have any Vin Diesel joints this time. But uh, we still got, listen... I think I perused. You're signed up for something else. I can't remember what in the anniversary list, but it's down. It's further down the list somewhere. I can't remember what it is coming up sometime in the later months. I wonder if it's a. Uh, hopefully, it's not another Battlefield Earth. Hopefully, something good. No, I don't think. <laughs> I, I don't think there was any other movie celebrating an anniversary. I think I only like. Then again, no. Showgirls. Showgirls turns. Is it 25 this year? Oh, wow. Did that come out in 95? Yeah, it did. Wow. 95 sounds right. Am I wrong? Hang on. Now I don't remember. Now I got to look it up. Hang on. Future Nick, cut all this. <laughs> Showgirls was 95, so yeah, Showgirls turns 25 years old this year. I've already seen Showgirls, though, so I know what I'm getting into with Showgirls. Like, I know what's going to happen when I watch that. I uh, I bought the Showgirls DVD box that came with like shot glasses and stuff when it came out because I was like, this is the movie, man. It's so bad, but it's so good. See, that one is one of those movies that it's so bad, it's good. With the most, I mean, you talk about, you know who would have been perfect in Battlefield Earth alongside John Travolta with that over-the-top performance? Get Elizabeth Berkley's ass in there. <laughs> Because she gives exactly the same kind of performance in Showgirls, where oh, yeah. she is in a completely different movie, and she is so fucking far over the top, it is absurd. Well, she's she's like, I'm going, forget Saved by the Bell. Remember that Saved by the Bell where I was on the the speed? That's why I'm that's what I'm doing. Remember Saved by the Bell? Now here's my vagina. <laughs> Boom. So yeah, uh, that'll all get cut probably. But whatever. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, but yes thank you so much Brad for being here Uh, for myself for Brad for our very own Justin and our god of podcasting who you know bitches can't get enough of my stuff they cannot get enough of his stuff ladies and gentlemen thank you so 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 much for listening until next time we will see you at the movies